You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Grammar Girl here. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about pronoun order. A great piece from Gretchen McCulloch about why we get confused about pronouns, such as me and I. And a tidbit about the difference between emoticons and emoji. People often ask how to combine nouns and pronouns. For example, is it send the letter to Squiggly and me, or me and Squiggly? Is it you and Aardvark should come, or Aardvark and you should come? The answer is a little tricky because there's an exception. The rule is to put pronouns first, unless that pronoun is I or me. Think of it this way. Me first is a bad attitude in life, and it's a bad approach in grammar too. When you put yourself in a list with others, it's a rule of politeness to put yourself last. Squiggly and I went shopping. Please send the letter to Squiggly and me. Those are correct. Imagine that you're opening a door and letting everyone else in the sentence go ahead of you. You're so polite. Otherwise, pronouns go first. She and Squiggly went shopping. Send the letter to her and Aardvark. And that was your quick and dirty tip. Next, Gretchen McCulloch of All Things Linguistic wrote this explanation about why people get confused about pronouns. She writes, A recent episode of the Autobiography of Jane Eyre, which is a fantastic web series that has nothing to do with linguistics, but you should check out anyway, provides an excellent example of the difficulties people have with you and I versus you and me. The relevant portion is in episode 59, between 2 minutes and 50 seconds and 3 minutes and 13 seconds. We'll put a link to it in the transcript at quickanddirtytips.com. But here's what it says. Diana, if you need anything, just let Mary or me know. Mary, it's Mary or I. Diana, it's Mary or me. Mary, no, it's actually Mary or I. Jane, actually, I think it's Mary or me. Mary, you're right, because if I wasn't here, you wouldn't say, let I know, because that wouldn't make any grammatical sense. Diana, anyways, if you need anything, just let me know, and I'll make Mary over here get it for you. And they all laugh. The logic that Mary uses to pick between I and me is fairly standard grammarian advice. Drop the Mary or the you, and then use whichever one sounds right when left alone. But this leaves us with an important question. Given that picking between I and me is intuitive in every other context, why do our intuitions abandon us as soon as you add an and? This question has a two-part answer. 
Part one is that grammarians have long railed against constructions like me and Mary are going to the store, favoring Mary and I are going to the store. The basis for their argument is that someone who is going to the store is in subject position, and therefore should use the subject form of the pronouns, such as I, regardless of whether there's an and or not. It works in Latin, so it should work in English. So if you get corrected enough times, eventually you'll learn to say Mary and I, or you and I, instead of me and Mary or me and you. However, for a lot of people, the rule that sticks is blank and I is always better than me and blank. So they end up applying it to every context of me and blank or blank and me, even when me isn't in the subject position and therefore has no reason to be changed to I. This is an example of hypercorrection, which is also responsible for things like the scattershot use of whom whenever someone wants to sound more fancy. Part two is why does anyone ever say me and Mary or me and you in subject position in the first place? You might get a very young child or very beginner-level second language speaker saying me is going to the store or me am going to the store, but never a full-grown adult native speaker. And yet, the same adults who've been speaking English their entire lives can produce me and Mary are going to the store without a second thought, especially in a casual context where they aren't thinking about what form to use. So what gives? Well, it turns out that it works in Latin, so it should work in English, isn't necessarily a great idea on which to base your grammatical system. In Latin, when something is the subject of the sentence, it's always in the nominative case, the I form, which is ego, and yes, that is where Freud got it. And when it's the direct object, it's always in the accusative case, the may form, which looks like me in English, but it's technically pronounced may. And it doesn't matter whether there's a conjunction. Here are some examples in pseudo-Latin, where I've replaced all the words that aren't essential to proving my point with their English equivalents. If you want the full Latin examples, we'll put a link in the transcript at quickanddirtytips.com. But here's the pseudo-Latin. Ego see her. She sees May. Julia and Ego see him. He sees Julia and May. Anyway, the important thing to note is that the subject and object pronouns are different, but aren't affected by the conjunction and. The drop-the-other-pronoun test works just fine in Latin. But that's not the case for all languages. Let's take French as an example. In French, there are subject and object pronouns, such as je, I, versus me, me. But there's also an additional form known as disjunctive pronouns, such as moi, Again, these examples will be pseudo-French. For full French examples, see the link on my website. Here it is in pseudo-French. Je see him. He sees ma. Julie and moi see her. She sees Julie and moi. The French disjunctive pronouns, such as moi, are used in a variety of contexts where you want to emphasize or stress the pronoun because it's doing something other than being a normal subject or object. For example, you find them after prepositions, or its, as well as when you need to say a pronoun all by itself. It's moi who saw him. Who's there? Moi. It's moi. When it comes to and, 
the drop-the-other-pronoun test just doesn't apply for French. Even though you say, je see him, no French speaker would ever say, Julie and je see him. Instead, you use the disjunctive pronoun to get Julie and moi see him. And the same goes for the other example. Although you have he sees me and the equivalent with and, he sees Julie and me isn't good French. You have to use the disjunctive pronoun, as in he sees Julie and moi. So what does this mean for English? Well, there's no a priori reason why English should pass the drop the other pronoun with and test given that it doesn't work for every language, and that speakers of French and Latin aren't and weren't constantly getting confused about which pronoun to use. Instead, as linguist Joseph Foster points out, there are multiple competing systems at work in English, depending on the dialect and the level of formality. Informally, many people follow the French system, treating English me as a disjunctive pronoun, found with and, or, be, and in isolation. In formal writing, it's more common to follow the Latin system and do the drop-the-other-pronoun test. Although, since this is less intuitive, many people end up having to consciously recall the test in order to follow this system consistently. At mixed levels of formality, and especially in less formal writing and more formal speech, where people are aware of the Latinate option but aren't quite doing enough editing to use it consistently, there's yet a third option, the hypercorrection of me and you into you and I, under all circumstances. And this has led to the development of a second English disjunctive pronoun in the form of I. The longer this mix of systems goes on, the more confusing it is for future learners. If you're a young child hearing adults produce forms according to all three of these systems, you'd be understandably confused about what's actually going on here. One way to see these three options is to look at subject and object pronouns beyond just I and me. You doesn't change, but people often have slightly different intuitions about we versus us or they versus them than for the strictly singular pronouns like I and me, she and her, and he and him, because you're less likely to have been corrected about them as often. For example, see what you think about Mary and us are going to the store versus Mary and we are going to the store, or Mary and them are going to the store versus Mary and they are going to the store. Which brings us to our present-day state of confusion. Is it you and me, me and you, you and I? Well, it's okay if you can never remember what to do. You've got multiple systems competing with each other. So you may be thinking, sure, that's great, but what do I actually do? Well, if you're trying to conform to the norms of formal written English, your best bet is still to keep doing the the drop-the-other-part test from the beginning, at least for singular pronouns. But if you're looking for a more casual register, you may be relieved to know that the you and me form actually does have historical precedent in English. Thanks again to Gretchen McCulloch for that piece. You can find her at allthingslinguistic.com. Finally, here's your tidbit. Emoji versus emoticons. Two weeks ago, we had an article on the Quick and Dirty Tips website about emoji those little cartoon images you can add to text messages and websites that support them. And then a reader named Waldo B. wrote in with a great question. What's the difference between emoji and emoticons? My first thought was that emoji are cartoon pictures, 
And emoticons are made from symbols on your keyboard, such as the smiley face you make with a colon, a hyphen, and a parenthesis. But it's not so simple. Some apps and services will convert popular emoticons to emoji when you type in the symbols, so you may type what I would think of as an emoticon and end up with an emoji. Also, some sites say that emoticons, which is short for emotion plus icons, were designed to specifically show emotion by representing a facial expression, such as a smile or frown. Whereas emoji do include images of faces, but also many other things, such as pictures of food and animals, that aren't closely tied to emotion. But I keep thinking about a couple of common images people make with symbols on their keyboard, such as a rose or hugs symbolized by open and closed parentheses. Those don't exactly show emotion, at least not through facial expressions, but they're made with symbols the same way emoticons are. Can we still call them emoticons, or are they early precursors to emoji? What I can say for sure is that emoticons made from keyboard symbols came first, and emoji emerged later and first became popular on Japanese cell phone services. Scott Fallman is credited with creating the first keyboard smiley face of the computer age at Carnegie Mellon University in 1982. And all the way back in 1881, Puck Magazine printed a short article showing emoticons made out of typographic symbols. They called it typographical art. On the other hand, the first set of 176 emoji, designed by Shigetaka Kurita for Docomo, went live in 1999. Finally, there's one little piece of research about emoticons that I have always found particularly delightful. While doing research at Stanford, Tyler Schoenbellen found that younger people are more likely to make emoticons without noses. He wrote, quote, Emoticons with noses are historically older. People who use old-fashioned noses also use a different vocabulary. Nose users don't mention Bieber or OMG. And it's true, I use noses and I have never ever tweeted about Justin Bieber. Almost every week, I post new articles like the emoji article that aren't in the podcast. If you don't want to miss them, visit quickanddirtytips.com and sign up for my email newsletter. Once a week, I send out links to all the new articles. This podcast was made in conjunction with Macmillan Holdings, and I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.